Please be advised this episode mentions topics of mental health, suppression of sexuality, and suicide, and that may be triggering to some listeners. Heaven's Gate is a story a lot of people think they know. It's the tragedy of 39 people who took their own lives together in a rented house in Southern California back in 1997. They did so under the guidance of their leader, Marshall Applewhite, who had convinced them that once they died, their souls would be transferred to a UFO that was traveling behind the Hale-Bopp Comet. The belief system that the Heaven's Gate cult followed is easily looked at as bizarre. But some of the details of how it came to fruition is actually extremely sad. Again, you may think you know the story, but we have the disturbing details about how Heaven's Gate became a reality, and number one is the most haunting part of it all. Hey all you weirdos, welcome to Crime Countdown, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. Every week we'll highlight 10 fascinating stories of history's most engaging and unsettling crimes, all picked by the Parcast Research Gods. This episode, we're counting down the top 10 disturbing details about Heaven's Gate. Okay, we know this is a cult that definitely gets covered a lot. Like, I've heard a million things about it. I've read a million things about it. Mm -hmm. But that's with good reason, I would say. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's just a truly fascinating set of events and laws, really, that were created by a truly confounding human being. And the ways it all went down, like, ending in what is basically a mass tragedy is something I don't think any of us are ever going to understand. And we talk about it, I think, because we just strive to find some kind of meaning behind it because we feel like something this tragic needs some meaning to it. Meaning and explanation. Something had to happen. But honestly, it's likely that we're never going to get to the bottom of this whole cult's mindset. Honestly, cults in general are so fascinating to me because it's just wild that people become so willing to give up everything that makes them who they are Mm -hmm. and you know even sometimes everybody that they love just for this one ideal exactly and like the fact that the people in charge hold so much power like hold as much power as they do it's just mind-boggling yep and you know what none of us think that we could fall victim to a cult i think we are all like oh no oh no i die i feel as though i have to avoid any cults in the area (laughs) because you're like i definitely could because i'm a people pleaser well and i'm sure that's exactly how a lot of these people want thought too. Yeah. That no, could not be me. Mm-hmm. And then it happens. And you may be surprised to find out with this particular one that mass suicide was not the original plan for Heaven's Gate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my number one reveals what the real thought process was behind that whole twisted doctrine. Because that's how this whole thing works. Elena has five disturbing details about Heaven's Gate, and so do I. But neither of us knows what will be on the other one's list. Let's start the countdown. This episode is brought to you by the Weather Channel. The key to solving any mystery? Smart decisions based on the facts. In the case of the weather's effect on your well-being, turn to the Weather Channel app. It clues you in on how weather shapes your mood, health, and productivity with insights built on reliable forecast data to help you thrive. Because mystery belongs in true crime, not weather. Be a force of nature with the Weather Channel app a new true crime podcast from the team behind Up and Vanished. In 2016, 
adventurer Justin Alexander was invited on a trek by an Indian holy man. They headed to a spiritual ground in the Himalayan mountains, a place beyond civilization. The holy man returned and said nothing, but Justin was never seen again. What happened to him? Dive into our investigation in Status Untraced. Available now. Listen for free on Spotify. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. Search To Die For in your podcast app to follow the show. I'll start us off with number 10. Marshall Applewhite's musical background had a strong presence in the cult. Applewhite was a full-fledged music student when he went to college in Texas and then in Colorado. After school, he became a music teacher. While this was all years before founding Heaven's Gate, his music background was front and center up until the very end. Imagine looking back and being like, oh yeah, that was my music teacher. My music teacher. (laughs) Oh yeah, Mr. Apple. That's definitely (laughs) something you say at parties, for sure. You're like, hey, you want to hear something? It's like a fun fact or like even a good um, two truths and a lie. Like a horrifying fact. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Applewhite didn't just study music in college, he performed it. He played lead roles in musicals, including South Pacific and Oklahoma. So jaunty. Just to name two. After school, he got married, and he and his wife moved to New York, where he had big dreams to become a professional singer. Like, this man had goals. He had something. Many goals. Different, varied goals. Yeah. His New York days and his marriage didn't work out, but he kept his feet in music. In the early 60s, he taught music at the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. It's reported that while a teacher there, he was very influential with his students, which that would t- he would take that into future life. For yeah, sure. a little foreshadowing. A little going bit on of there. foreshadowing there. But his time at U of A only lasted a couple of years, which is even crazier that he was able to have that much kind of. He was considered an influence over his students in right. only a couple of years, which shows you his power. His power. In 1966, he was hired as a music teacher at the University of St. Thomas in Houston, Texas. Aside from teaching, he also performed with the Houston Grand Opera. Again, he's following those dreams. He's going for it. And, like, these are huge events. Like, these are big deals. That's the thing. He's setting out goals, and he's achieving them. Yeah. A biography for Applewhite from the Houston Grand Opera Program also says he sang and studied music in Germany at some point in time. Casual. You wish he had just continued music. Music, exactly. But in 1970, he was fired from the University of St. Thomas for having a relationship with a male student. Oh. Now it's a Catholic university. So the official reason for his firing was listed as, quote, health problems of an emotional nature. Yeah. Okay. I got thoughts. We all do. Soon after that, it's reported that Applewhite started dealing with a lot of shame, a lot of depression, and he started hearing voices, which is really sad. Of course. Absolutely. So he checked into a psychiatric hospital to get help. This is the hospital where he met nurse Bonnie Nettles, who would co-found Heaven's Gate with him. So it's almost just like 
this like tragic set of events that he was kind of set up for. Exactly. If that had never happened, who knows? Right. Heaven's Gate may have never come to be. Once Heaven's Gate was up and running, at some point in the process, Applewhite Nettles had members call them Doe and T. Hmm. Doe and T came from their love of the sound of music. Of course, that's the first thing I thought of when I read it. Gotcha, gotcha. Which includes a song lyric beginning with Do Re Mi. Members also sang their own version of Do Re Mi that changed the lyrics to celebrate Applewhite and Nettles. So the love of music kind of took a creepy turn there. Yeah, that just made me like cringe a little yeah, bit. That was like, not great. Ugh. Ugh. The song was then called When You Know T and Doe. There was also a video of the group singing the song filmed about three months before the group took their own lives. That is spine chilling. Eek. Nine. Number nine on our countdown is... The fact that Marshall Applewhite met Bonnie Nettles during a vulnerable time in his life. We just mentioned in number 10 how Applewhite met Nettles at the hospital when he was at a very low point in his life. And if you've ever studied cults, most people join them, or cult-like groups, when they're at a vulnerable stage in their life. The same can be said for why Applewhite found a connection with Nettles. You might remember in 1970, Applewhite was fired from the University of St. Thomas in Houston, Texas for having a relationship with a male student. After that, he was suffering from some mental health issues and checked himself into that psychiatric hospital. Applewhite's goal for checking himself in was to be cured of his attraction to men. He felt a lot of guilt about his relationships with men, and what he wanted was a meaningful platonic relationship, but where sex wasn't getting in the way. Now at the hospital, he met Nurse Nettles, and she began talking to him about a new kind of spirituality, and it led to the two of them renouncing all sexuality. You wonder if he had had, like, someone close to him that could have told him it's okay, like, what he's feeling and all this? Like, right. Would it have gone differently? I just feel like there's so many pieces to this where you're like, it could have, it could have veered left and I know. went right. You don't realize what a sad story it is, just from the beginning even. Yeah. You know? So in 1988, Applewhite wrote about his relationship with Nettles. He said, quote, The only relationship they shared, certainly having no physical attraction toward each other, was the compulsion to discover what had brought them together. The basis of their relationship ended up dictating the relationship between everyone in Heaven's Gate. That's why they dressed alike, cut their hair alike, and repressed all sexual identity. Applewhite and Nettles grew all of that into the idea that the human body was simply a vessel for an asexual soul, and everyone would be saved in outer space. Yikes. Eight. Number eight on our countdown of the top ten disturbing details about Heaven's Gate is the group believed their spirituality allowed them to bypass the law. Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles did not believe the law applied to them. They were followers of God's law, not human law, duh. (laughs) They taught their followers they should have a clear conscience for doing things like not paying motel room bills. That's just rude. It truly is. And again, illegal. Now, just because they thought they were above the law doesn't mean they didn't get in trouble. 
1974, Applewhite and Nettles went to jail in Texas for stealing a rental car and using stolen credit cards. Startups get messy in the beginning, you know? Yeah, even the ones that are cults. Few bumps in the way. Applewhite had to sit in jail for six months while Nettles had to find work as a nurse to pay for their lawyers. After Applewhite got out, the two decided that rental cars and credit cards were the tools of Lucifer. Obviously. Okay. Like, look what happened when we stole them. That is the work of Satan. (laughs) Yeah. So they bought a used car and some camping gear. New car, new us, you know? (laughs) Fresh start. Start not fresh. In March 1975, while camping in Ojai, California, north of Los Angeles, they put out their first official statement that seemed to be the beginnings of Heaven's Gate's formal ideology. Everyone loves a good mission statement. Hey, every startup, every business has got one. You gotta have one. Even when you form an LLC, they want to know what you're all about. Even we have a mission statement. You know? It was all about caterpillars and butterflies, the metaphor for the human metamorphosis they envisioned for themselves, said the Washington Post. This was also the mid-70s, so a lot of people were in that mindset of consciousness-raising and culture-shifting movements. You know, man. Just vibes. You know, groovy. Free spirits everywhere. (laughs) I was like, what's the 70s word? (laughs) Far out. Cool. And (laughs) And we all know when people are vulnerable, that's when the cults strike. Mm -hmm. So Applewhite and Nettles struck a chord at the right time. I mean, come on, they're music lovers. They know good timing. They know when to strike chords. Oh, look at you. But I'm full circle. They let their spirituality guide them across the country, collecting followers and more than ever, believing only God could judge them, not man. Which is dangerous. Eek. Seven. At number seven this week is male members of the cult were encouraged to get castrated. This is sort of an extension to number nine, where Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettle's suppression of sexuality was at the core of Heaven's Gate ideology, which, as we know, comes from the suppression of Applewhite's sexuality after he was fired from his school teaching job. So there were 21 women who died in 1997 when the group took their own lives, and there were 18 men who eventually went all the way through with the final suicide pact. But not all of them were castrated, according to the medical examiner. The group believed that castration would help them achieve that androgynous, alien-like immortality they were all seeking. All members had buzz cuts and wore shapeless black shirts with mandarin collars. They also referred to themselves as monks to outsiders. Castration obviously helped them abstain from sex or sexual desires. Applewhite actually led by example on this by having himself castrated. A lot of this seemed to come from his past, as I mentioned, the shame he felt having gay relationships. When Applewhite was growing up, being gay was still considered a mental disorder by the American Psychological Association. So this idea of gay shame was everywhere. It's weird to me that they didn't want to like keep this it seems like they wouldn't want to keep this this cult going by castrating all its members and having no future members come right exactly like the branch davidians they were so intent on procreating and keeping the bloodline in the group and it's like were they just thinking that they would be able to kind of just recruit people forever well i mean they had a lot of luck recruiting people they did in the beginning so probably i mean it makes sense because they still have a website up so it's like I guess that's what they were going to go for, but it seems weird to cut off any kind of, like, 
possible family members joining this group because I feel like most cults rely on that. They rely on you having kids that you right. also bring into this group that, you know, it's interesting. The whole, I mean, this is a very different kind of cult. It very much is. Now, one doctor who examined the body said based on the healed incisions on the men, the surgeries had been done a long time before their deaths. Ooh. So this tells you the idea of castration was long in the making before the Hale-Bopp comet even arrived. Woof. Six. Landing at number six is the fact that mass suicide was not even a part of the original doctrine. Unlike sexual suppression, the suicide part was not originally in the ethos of what Heaven's Gate was all about. That plan came after another very sad moment in Marshall Applewhite's life. Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles had this vision that they preached about followers going through a biological transformation. Members would become perfect alien beings, as they described it, after they left Earth and traveled on a UFO to an outer space version of heaven. Applewhite and Nettles said they were already in their perfect alien forms. Their human bodies were simply vessels that they were using while they helped others make the transformation. Interesting. It's easy to say they were living in their own reality because they were. Yeah. But no one can escape real life. And in 1985, Bonnie Nettles sadly died from cancer. Oh, that's hard. Clearly her dying of cancer was contradictory to what they've been teaching their followers. That Bonnie had already transformed into that perfect alien being. So to make it all make sense to the members, Applewhite made some changes to the teachings of Heaven's Gate. Now, we see this in other cults sometimes where something in real life mm -hmm. based in reality will happen and these cult these cult leaders are going to have to pivot and to keep everybody believing them and to keep their power in check, they have to change doctrines, they have to change what they've been spouting off to everybody. Mm -hmm. This is a perfect example of that. And I feel like that and even like right here we can see, I feel like that's where it starts to get messy because they start to think on their feet and then certain things start falling by the wayside and everything just gets into this like crazy tumbleweed effect. And they get desperate. Mm -hmm. Like this is desperation mode of, oh no, the main thing that I'm teaching these people has just blown up in our faces. So now I have to say something really outlandish that's going to counteract it. Precisely. Now, Applewhite told everyone, you know what? Death was now necessary for the alien transformation. How convenient. I'd be like, well, but you're alive. So I'd be like, I'm confused. Yeah. The reason for death was so their souls, not their physical bodies, would ascend to the UFO and into the space heaven. He said Nettles had left her body behind and was waiting for them. Here's the thing, too. Bonnie and him were obviously very good friends mm -hmm. to, to go through all this together for sure. Yeah. Did he even grieve properly? Well, that's, that's kind of what I was saying earlier when I was like, that's hard. Like when she obviously passed away from cancer yep. because he feels like he has to keep this whole cult thing running, obviously. And it's like, did you actually grieve the loss of your best friend? That's the thing. And he had to pivot so quickly mm -hmm. to save this whole thing. Right. That he, instead of sitting there and being like, just accepting what just happened, that she died of cancer yeah. too. Like not an easy or peaceful death. Mm -hmm. And it's like, he didn't even have a moment to sit there and think about that, to grieve, to mourn, to go through the process. Right. Instead, he's immediately in business mode how do I get these people to keep believing me? 
And the other thing is, obviously, it's pretty evident that he was suffering from some kind of mental illness. At one point, you know, he was hearing voices. Absolutely. So maybe the voices were telling him that, you know, this is what they they needed to do next. Yeah, like this is exactly the plan. And this is where Bonnie is. So maybe that was part of the grief process. Even like, let's go get to her. Maybe he truly believed that. Who knows? Not me. I would say it's the castration thing that is really sticking in my brain right now. Yeah, it's hard to get past that. It really is. I knew that about this, but each time I hear it, it it never gets, which I'm glad it never gets to the point where I'm like, oh yeah, that castration thing. Yeah, you never want that to just be like Never want it to be casual. Yeah. But honestly, this whole thing is just so sad. I was just going to say, especially that last part of like Bonnie dying of cancer, that's really sad. And you do have to wonder what was going on in his head. Yeah. Truly, and on so many different levels. Well, and it gets weirder. It does. Stick around. Hi, I'm Christine Schiefer. And I'm M. Schultz. We're the hosts of Rituals, the new Spotify original from Parcast. If you've heard our podcast and that's what we drink, you know we are no strangers to true crime and the paranormal. We're also into the occult uh, to chat about, not to join, but, you know, to, to learn and educate. Every Monday on Rituals, we're journeying through mystifying stories of sorcery, alchemy, Satanism, and more, and trying to determine if the dark arts of the past impact us today. Like weather witches? Who were they? Or the Fountain of Youth? Address, please. (laughs) Don't forget about werewolf trials, Em. Objection, Christine. Let's not give too much away. And instead, let's tell everyone to follow our new podcast, Rituals, free and only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. All right, let's jump back in with number five on our countdown of Heaven's Gate, disturbing details. Starting off the second half of our list is the fact some members were left alive for administrative purposes. Despite the sad loss of 39 members of Heaven's Gate in 1997, their official website stayed up and active. Vice News reached out through Heaven's Gate website in 2020 to see who was still operating it. So the Heaven's Gate website has all of the group's beliefs and messaging still posted, and they also have an email address. A reporter at Vice emailed that address to ask them how many members were left, and they got a reply that said, none. The group came to an end in 1997. There are no members or anything to join. The person who replied also said, quote, We joined at the beginning, in 1975, and have been with them for 45 years. There are us two here in Arizona and a couple more around the country. And it's like, I wonder how they were chosen to stay alive. For real, was there like draw straws or... Or were they already in these administrative roles somehow? Who knows? And they got to stick around? 
But so, man. I know. So these four people had been running the group's website before the mass suicide and kept doing it after. So there's our answer. That's so spooky. It is. They reply to emails and deal with legal and archiving issues, but it's not their full-time job. The surviving administrators still believe in the group's ideology and will promote it when they need to. So it's like, then who takes over after they're gone? Yeah, because it's like, guys, I thought, I thought you're not procreating and you're not like, you know... This whole ideology relies on that. Right. And it's like, so what happens? You There's no one behind you unless you're recruiting people outside, which you say you're not. There's nothing to join. Right. And that's the thing. The survivor said people around the world ask about joining all the time, averaging about five requests per day back in 2020 when this back and forth happened with them and Vice. There's even an active Heaven's Gate subreddit that has 2,200 members as of this recording. There, they talk about the group and answer questions from people looking to join. It's just so crazy. Well, and it's like, I bet there's a lot of people in there that are just doing it to get information to like... Yeah, more like, of like a nosy thing than yeah, actually... Yeah, like, like kind of a joke thing, I'm sure. I, I would hope. You never know. One Reddit user told the Vice reporter they see the dead members as the quote-unquote lucky ones because their belief and commitment was so strong. My goodness. It's so sad that there's still people around today that believe this was a good thing that happened. Yeah. Four. Landing at number four this week is aliens and otherworldly prophecies were central to their religion. We said it before. This group was waiting to transition from their human forms to that of the perfect alien being. They would then travel into the space version of heaven. And that is something that never faltered in their beliefs, despite the fact that how they planned to do that shifted a bit. Mm. Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles together formed this religious mix of teachings from the New Testament with pieces of eschatology, mysticism, astrology, asceticism, reincarnation, and science fiction. And that all led to this concept that extraterrestrials were the key to salvation. Not sure how they 100% combined all of this and got, like, aliens, but, like, are we ever going to understand this? I, I think it's better that we don't understand I was going to say, this. I feel like I keep searching for meaning that I'm like, stop, stop it. Don't, don't stop do it, because you don't want to find it. I don't. I really don't. After Nettle's death, that core quilted belief system didn't change, but the journey of how the members would achieve that salvation did, of course. Nettles had told Applewhite once that they'd meet again someday, because extraterrestrials had preordained their encounter. How do you know that, though? Which it's like, that in and of itself is like, sure, that's a nice thing to say to your friend. Like, we're going to meet again someday when I die because aliens have preordained it. The thing is, like, <laughs> yeah, we're going to see each other someday again. Beautiful sentiment. Because aliens have arranged it, that's where it goes off a bit for me. Yeah. And it's also like, but don't leave the party early. Right. Like, stay till the end and then we'll meet again. Mm -hmm. That's nice. I love it. That's a nice thought. Sure. Just let it go there. When astronomers discovered the Hale-Bopp comet in 1995, two years before the 39 deaths of Heaven's Gate, Marshall Applewhite saw it as a calling. He believed that the discovery of the comet meant the aliens were finally coming to pick them up. 
which you can kind of see where his yeah. thinking went there because it's such disordered thinking to begin with. Of course. You can kind of look at that and go, oh, I got. I see that your mind would go there for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, you put two and two together. Yeah. He also believed, or at least preached that he did, that Bonnie Nettles was waiting for him and the members aboard the ship that was traveling in the wake of the comet. Heaven's Gate official website still praises the arrival of the Hale-Bopp comet. They still believe the 39 members that died that day in 1997 really did ascend to the ship that was riding behind it. Number three on our countdown of Heaven's Gate disturbing details is the group had strict and traumatic rules to follow. Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles required their followers to dress alike, cut their hair the same, and obviously suppress their sexual identity. But the asexuality of their appearance weren't the only rules members had to follow. There was no drinking, no smoking, no sex. Every member was, quote, homeless by choice because they gave up their original lives and belongings. All the members were given new names that were a three-letter prefix followed by Dodie or Odie. When someone first joined, they drank nothing but the master cleanse drink, which is lemonade, cayenne pepper, and maple syrup. This was to cleanse their quote-unquote vehicles. They were allowed to watch TV in assigned seats and only approved shows like Star Trek or a Thomas Jefferson PBS documentary. Fun. Everything was recorded in handwriting and kept in binders. If you needed something from the store, you wrote it down and submitted it to the individual needs department. The IND. The IND, if you will. Applewhite would purposely put people of opposite sexes together and force them to learn how to not be attracted to each other. What? Imagine that exercise. No. Just like stop I will for not. a second and imagine <laughs> just sitting next to somebody and being like, I'm not attracted to you. I'm not attracted to you. Ooh. That's so scary. Assigned partners would do everything together, like eat, sleep, and work. And partners were rotated regularly. There was also a time when Applewhite and Nettles imposed tomb time. Stop it. During tomb time, members would not speak to each other for days. A tuning fork would be used to eliminate all thought. So, torture. That's straight up torture. Of course. A former member said that it was like the military, and some of the procedures drove people to break down. Yeah. Obviously. This is the stuff that gets cults or cult-like groups in trouble. Yeah, the torture. <laughs> the torture <laughs> of it all. Wow. I had no idea that they did something called tomb time. Tomb time. And used a so, tuning fork to, like, so what? scary. And, like, just used a tuning fork. Like, I know, obviously, you can leave the rest <laughs> to imagination, but what does that mean? When you hear used a tuning fork, you're like, all right, I gotta go. You're like, get out of here. Ooh, I don't even want to know what number one is, even though I want to and I'm going to. It's a lot. Is it? It's a lot to swallow. I'm nervous. Yeah. Especially because number two is E. Okay, we'll get there. We'll get through it together. Let's do this. Two. 
We're down to the final two spots on our countdown of Heaven's Gate, disturbing details. At number two is, prior to their deaths, the group had one last supper. Members of Heaven's Gate cut themselves off from friends and family, so they spent a lot of time as a group watching TV, doing website design, and dining out together. And that included one last meal in 1997. The mansion Heaven's Gate rented in Rancho Santa Fe, California, was just one in a long list of sterile rented houses they used. This one would be their last. But without much going on inside the house and being cut off from their friends and fam, it was common that they would go out together and eat together with their brothers and sisters. And that's a quote-unquote brothers and sisters. Yeah. The group's 39 members went to a Marie Callender's restaurant in Carlsbad, California, about 15 miles from where they lived. When they sat down, their server asked where they were from, and one member said, from the car. Comedy? We don't know. But I'm not sure. Not sure if that was just a real answer. From the car? This was their last celebratory meal together. The group all dressed alike, wearing untucked baggy shirts and baggy trousers, which apparently amused the restaurant staff. But the Heaven's Gate group was polite to the staff. Which, I feel bad. Like, I do too. Because you don't know what's going on here. You know what I mean? Like, don't, I no. don't know. And like we said in the beginning, like, what it takes to join a cult like, and where you are in your life, most likely. Like, you do feel bad for yeah, these people. you do. It's just like, it's tragic all around. I feel like they're lost. Now, not only did they dress alike, they all ordered the same thing. 39 identical turkey pot pies, iced tea, and cheesecake with blueberries. That's a pretty great last meal. Yeah, and before they left, they methodically stacked their dishes on the table. By this time, they had all accepted their fates and were reportedly at peace. Okay. Which is very chilling is and just like thinking about this thinking about this almost like a movie like seeing this be one of the last scenes in a movie and knowing what's going to happen next and yeah so chilling and this staff at this restaurant now knowing Mm -hmm. that they were watching these people consume their last meal together before they were going to do this you know it said they were amused so i'm sure they were poking a bit of fun can you imagine looking back and being like oh my gosh i had no idea and of course how could they have ever known of course but it's like it really shows you like you don't know what's going on behind the the weird outer shell here. Mm-hmm. One. And that brings us to number one on our countdown of the top ten disturbing details about Heaven's Gate. Members did not see it as taking their own lives. Despite how sad the outcome would be, Heaven's Gate members were extremely organized in how they would pull off their final ascent into the next level. They knew what needed to be done, and they believed in it so much that everything, even suicide, was just a step in the process. So unlike other cults where once you're in, you're in for good, allegedly, members of Heaven's Gate could leave any time. But Applewhite was in their head so much about the quote-unquote process, they often felt like it was a failure on their part if they left. It wasn't about death. It was always about the process. The process was the system for becoming non-human in order to, quote, learn the ways of space and next-level mind. It was basically the physical transformation that allowed them to leave Earth. 
Leaving Earth wasn't leaving home because in their minds, they were going home. As we know now, members believed that a UFO was on its way around Earth traveling in the tail of the Hale-Bopp comet. Like an uber UFO, if you will. <laughs> and I will. <laughs> and you will. <laughs> the Hale-Bopp comet was on a 4,000-year orbit when it passed near Earth, reportedly one of the most impressive astronomical events of the 20th century. So Applewhite rented that Rancho Santa Fe home to prepare for the process to play out. Waiting for Hale-Bopp's arrival, members would spend every morning looking through a telescope to spot it. They even got excited when chosen members went to Mexico to buy the phenobarbital that they used to take their own lives. On March 22, 1997, Hale-Bopp got close to Earth, so Applewhite and his followers were reported to have meticulously cleaned the house, took out the garbage, polished the silver, and packed up their things. And then they were ready to execute the routine. The routine, which lived as a document, was the choreographed plan of how members would help each other ingest the phenobarbital using applesauce and pudding with vodka. That's which a choice. Doesn't even sound like a great mix. No, it does. It's a real choice. It is. The routine creepily stated, quote, lie back and rest quietly. Ooh, so chilling. Yeah. Everything about this is just so chilling. Yeah. Members then covered each other in purple shrouds, tucked a $5 bill in their wallets, and allowed the phenobarbital to take effect. The exact timeline isn't known, but reports said within three days, all Heaven's Gate members were dead. To this day, Heaven's Gate has a page on their website explaining their position allegedly against suicide. Obviously, it's extremely contradictory. On one hand, they claim that suicide is rejection of the next level. They justify scenarios where this is the spiritual thing to do, but then also claim that it is not something that's likely to be necessary, even though they ended up doing it. Makes sense. It makes no sense. <laughs> it's like a little bit of gaslighting, which yeah. makes sense because most, most cults engage in that. Oh, yeah. But bottom line, the members believed so much in the overall idea of elevating to the next level with the help of that UFO behind Hale Bop that the concept of suicide seemed to be overshadowed which is just so haunting. It really is. Honestly, the fact that that was not originally part of this whole thing. Right. And that it just happened because he had to pivot from a real life thing that happened is worse. And that they all just accepted it. That's the thing. It's like no one sat there and was like, wait a second. Right. Seems like, like he's just, you know, jumping off of what just happened here and trying to explain it. But again, this is they're so far into it so far and i'm sure they had lost a lot along the way between family and money and absolutely whatnot everything so, yeah Oof. man i didn't know a lot of the stuff about this cult that was in this list so yeah neither did i and i didn't actually it was interesting to hear more about apple white's background yeah i didn't know a lot about it either so yeah. thanks podcast research gods thank you so much a very tragic episode and For i have real. to agree with everything the way it was laid out on the list yeah me too and again i don't know that much so i can't think of another nope. fact you didn't miss anything as far as i'm concerned good job
Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Crime Countdown on Spotify to get a brand new episode delivered every week. You can find all episodes of Crime Countdown and all other ParCast shows for free on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at ParCast on Facebook and Instagram and at ParCast Network on Twitter. And if you like us, which we hope you do by this point, you know, you listen to the whole episode, <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at AmorbidPodcast or on Instagram at Morbid podcast. Crime Countdown is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Jamie Ryan. Research by Jay Cahio. Fact checking by Cara Mackerline. It's produced by John Cohen, Kristen Acevedo, and Jonathan Ratliff with production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Ash Kelly and Elena Urquhart. Werewolves, witches, and Arthur Conan Doyle? Oh my! Sounds like fascinating topics to discuss on our new show, Rituals, Christine. You know what, Em? It sure does. Every Monday on Rituals, join us as we explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. If you've heard our podcast and that's why we drink, this is the perfect pairing for you. And if you haven't, go give us a try. Follow our Spotify original from Parcast, Rituals. Listen free only on Spotify. Spotify.